When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. This is Megan Gibson, and today on The Family Brain, I'll be talking with Allison Mitchell Hoffling, who is the sister of Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell was killed in 2011, January 19th, 2011, and he was shot. I reached out to Allison to talk to her about her family's experiences with his death and to learn more about the way that gun violence impacts their families and our communities and what we can all do to sort of work together to limit these kinds of tragedies. It just seems like it's an ongoing um, epidemic that we just have not addressed in a way that we need to. So I hope you enjoy listening to Allison and learning from what she has to share. I think um, she has a lot of insights from her own experiences. And that's one of the things I'm really realizing on this podcast as I talk to people is that sometimes when things hit home, hit your own family, it really opens your eyes to sort of holes in the system and and things that could be done better in our communities. So I want to thank Allison for sharing her story with all of us. And I wanted to thank um, Women Podcasters in Solidarity. It's a group I'm a part of that is promoting stories about gun violence and how gun violence impacts our communities. So I appreciate the nudge from that group to learn more about this issue. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And I mean, so we know each other from growing up and haven't talked for a while. And it feels a little strange to just like dive right into heavy topics, but hopefully that's okay with you. Um, So I was wondering, so let me just give a little bit of a backstory of why I reached out to you. I became involved with this um, group. It's uh, Women Podcasters in Solidarity. And the idea behind the group is that each person who has a podcast on really any topic um, commits to doing an episode about gun violence and its effect on people and families. Um, So I reached out to you to... um, 
to talk about how gun violence has impacted your family. Um, and I wonder if you could just start with like talking about just how, how gun violence became probably a bigger issue to you than it was prior to this. Right. Um, well, about eight years ago, um, my younger brother, Billy, who was 32 at the time, um, had gone out to see a show with my mom. We live in Washington, D.C., or right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, so he and my mom had gone into D.C. to see a show, actually, at Ford's Theater. And um, on the way home, she lives in Maryland, and he lived, he was living um, right uh, in, a, in, like, an adjoining apartment to my dad's townhouse at the time. Uh, so he was headed back to his place, and my mom was headed back to her place, and they both started on the metro um, subway, and then, you know, he got off at his stop and sent her home. And as he walked from the metro stop to um, his place in D.C., it, it, it was, the area is not terrible, but it's not great. It's just like any city. There's crime pretty much in every part of it at any time. Um, and it was late at night, and he um, was uh, crossing a pretty major intersection and kind of waiting um, for, uh, you know, a breakup in the traffic to cross. There was another girl standing near him who was waiting for a bus, and a young man rode up um, on a bike, actually, and started to kind of uh, give the young woman a hard time, um, like kind of like come on to her. Uh, and she got upset with him, and my brother said something, I think, to him, like, you know, leave her alone or something like that, and the guy came up to my brother and uh, demanded money, and then the girl stuck up for my brother and said, you know, leave him alone, just get out of here and leave us both alone, and he went over and, like, ran his bike into her and made her drop her phone, so my brother went over to defend her, and at that time he pulled out a gun and shot my brother uh, several times, and my brother ended up dying that night. Oh, so sorry. I mean, still, it's just, it's just, oh, do you say that story and think in your mind, is that even real? Did that really even happen? Like, does it seem yeah. far off to you in your mind? It, it is crazy, but it's, I mean, sadly, it's kind of not crazy, because yeah. gun violence is so prevalent, and, you know, the, the way that he died and the fact that he was in a part of D.C. that I'm very familiar with. Um, and, you know, being a native of D.C., I'm sure you know yourself also, there's a lot of crime here. And so, um, you know, it, it was obviously shocking and, and so saddening, but it's not really that surprising. I mean, there's a lot of people that are touched by gun violence, like a lot, way too many. And so prior to this tragedy... Were you involved or did you pay attention to gun laws or what was going on with guns or was it just something that you kind of knew about and just it was out there instead of in your life? Right. Um, well, actually, I, I come from kind of an outspoken family. <laughs> we are, you know, they're, they're kind of like political and involved and, and um, you know, we're, we're not a gun family. I mean, we've grown up in... A suburb of Washington DC so we're not part of like a gun culture we're not in a rural area um, so I have you know as a family we have always been against guns we never had guns in our house uh, my dad actually was pretty outspoken about it uh, 
you know, growing up and things like that, just not really understanding um, why people would want guns around their children and, and in their homes and stuff. Um, so, you know, yes, I think, I think we were already kind of aware that for us, you know, guns are just everywhere. And I know there's a lot of really responsible gun owners. I have friends that are gun owners. Um, and I know there's good people that, you know, have, have guns and care for them responsibly and, and need them for certain reasons. But, you know, as a family, we never really got why on earth you would just like kind of have a gun to have it. So yeah, we talked about it. We were a little bit, you know, political in the sense that we would vote for people who were for gun control and things like that, but nothing, you know, really more than that. And so how, I mean, obviously after all of this happened, there was massive grieving and did your family, I know when, when trauma tragedy hits, everybody can end up dealing with it differently. Did you have that experience in your family of like, wow, that person's really grieving in a different way than I am? Um, you know, we are, we're, we're a pretty tight knit family. Um, and we leaned on each other a lot and actually we grieved very similarly. I think most of us got, uh, slightly more political active. Some of us got much more politically active, um, you know, we wanted to right away do something to commemorate him. Um, so the very next year on his anniversary, we began hosting um, like a, a charity party that we have every year. And um, we wanted the money raised to go to something that would help, um, you know, give kids other choices than, than going out and, you know, making bad choices, and doing, doing things that would end up hurting people or causing violence in the community. And Billy, before he had died, had worked, um, he had volunteered his time with an organization called Horton's Kids, which um, is a local nonprofit group that um, targets kids in D.C.'s Ward 8, which is a real difficult place to grow up in. Um, and they, uh, you know, they tutor them, they provide them, they provide them with much more than tutoring, but that's kind of their main thing, and that's how Billy helped. He was a volunteer tutor, but they also, um, you know, they feed them, they take them on field trips, they send them to summer camps, they uh, prepare them for college and make sure that they graduate from high school, and they actually have a 100% graduation rate, um, which is amazing. That um, is incredible. So, yeah, it's amazing. And so we uh, started hosting this party, and we donate all of the, you know, proceeds from the party to Horton's kids. And, you know, we're, we're, that, that was kind of like how we got through our grieving was like, okay, what do we do? How do we put a positive spin on this? And, um, it's been very healing actually, because every year we get to see, you know, not just our family and our close friends, but all of Billy's friends. Oh, that's great. Really nice. What, what time of year is it? I want to come. <laughs> <laughs> you should, you should come next year. It's, um, he died on January 20th. So we always do it um, the Saturday of Martin Luther King weekend. Oh, okay. Okay. So I just yeah. missed this one. That's great. But you isn't that such a nice one. way to, I don't know, be with other people on yes. a day that could otherwise feel very lonely? I have a similar, Not it's not similar, but I don't know if you knew. Um, I had a situation where my next door neighbor was killed um, by a gun. And we started this organization um, also. And it just, it, at first it felt weird to me like I was in so much grief that that it was hard to think about doing something good for the community or giving back but it really is an incredible way to channel that energy like it's got to go somewhere so what do we do with this like where do we put this 
this mess Absolutely. in my brain. And, and the thing that's like most comforting to me about that party every year is that uh, it totally helps keep his memory alive. And you know, the the more years that go past, you, you just like you never want to find yourself thinking about him less or you know forgetting his birthday or his favorite food or you know whatever. Right. So it's it's just like a really nice way to make sure everybody remembers yes awesome and we all sit around and talk about him all night his birthday his birthday is january 5th so it's like the whole month of january we're just thinking about him and talking about him and you know well it's it's funny when you said he was 32 i'm like no he's a little boy that's the last i knew him you know it's like he's like a little baby you know well he was still a little boy at 32 (laughs) oh that's that's how the youngest always is that's, yes. I'll give a shout out to my youngest sister. That's well, he's, he's the next youngest. Oh, yeah, next youngest. Brother. Yeah, oh, okay. Brian. 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 And actually, Billy died on Brian's birthday. So oh. that's another weird twist in the whole thing. Oh, that is, that is hard. Is it hard for him that this is what's all around his birthday? Or is it just sort of? Um, you know, I think he's come to grips with it. But yeah. I'm sure. It's, it's not easy. It's definitely hard for him losing his only brother. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I I was thinking he was the youngest, but no. Okay, now I know. But that he was Next still youngest, he was yeah. still a little guy too. Yeah. Um so I guess what did you learn once you got more active in and I'm not expecting you to be an expert on gun, you know, laws or anything like that, but what what sort of as you learned more about what is going on in terms of gun regulation, what are some things that really jumped out to you or that you have learned by being more involved? Right. Um, well, there's a couple of things because I'm also a high school teacher. So, um, I, I see like gun advocacy, you know, um, from that, from that lens too, because, uh, there's been so many school shootings and I have to bring up that topic and talk about it with my students all the time. So like, you know, just, just constantly kind of being aware that, that that's a threat to our community too. Actually this year we had a pretty legitimate threat to our school that was caught in time. Thank God before anything bad could have happened. Um, but just, uh, you know, I think, I think what, what changed most for me was this perception that like the, that, that when you hear about gun violence, that you automatically think of like a bad guy with a gun, but there, there's like so many forms of gun violence that are important to think of, like, like domestic violence and, um, and, accidental deaths like the accidental deaths I think has been the most shocking thing like the amount of kids that shoot themselves or neighbors that shoot their neighbor or something like that you know just from from not being careful with your firearms and not you know being aware or being trained or having to have a license or having to take classes or you know having any kind of regulations that make it harder for somebody that is not responsible to get their hands on a gun Mm -hmm. so I you know I think if we had gun control, I'm not really sure. If we had better gun control laws, I'm not really sure that my brother would have been alive. I think his situation may have been the same because I agree that if there's a bad guy that wants to get his hands on a gun, he's going to get his hands on a gun. Mm-hmm. But if we had better con- gun control regulation, I think we would you know, uh, lower our accidental gun death rate and suicide rates and domestic violence because if there's not a gun right next to a man when he's raging at his wife he can't shoot her you know right so um you know i think those things were the things that surprised me the bad guys are always going to get the guns i agree with that but um you know if we can take the guns 
away from kind of just high intensity situations and then just careless situations. Right. I think we would change things a lot. Well, it's I, it's always striking to me when people make comparison. <clears throat> excuse me, comparisons like you have to, you know, submit papers for your, for a dog and like make sure they have vaccinations or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that we do do as citizens to make sure we're just keeping everybody safe. And like, you know, that this is just sort of basic, like just bottom line, basic, like, let's just make sure we're, we're doing some due diligence. And in terms of gun access, it's just like, it almost seems as if all common sense gets thrown to the wind, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. and have you learned anything about like the lobbying and the NRA and have, have you learned more about this? I mean, from my point of view, it's like, that's gotta be the only reason why things are continuing the way they're continuing. But what have you sort of seen yeah, in mean, your, in your work? I definitely think, um, that, you know, there's, I think there's just so much money in it. And I think there's, I think there's like this combined issue of money and just so much passion, um, you know, on both sides that like people that, that really, um, you know, are, are pro second amendment, just think that, that there, there can't be any wiggle room that either everybody just has to be able to have access to any gun they want anytime they want. Um, or, you know, or else it's going to mean that nobody ever gets to have a gun except for the bad guys, you know? And I think, uh, I just think that when you have that kind of like that real heated passion, people don't think rationally about mm-hmm. the fact that there, there's so many in-betweens that we could do, you know, and like, uh, you know, we could put so many, so many smaller, but really important, meaningful laws into place that, that just put a check on it, you know? Right. Um, but I think the money, I think money talks and I think that, you know, gun manufacturers, they, they obviously don't want gun restrictions, and I think, you know, the NRA works for them, and I think they all uh, work in close conjunction with many of our, you know, congressmen yeah. and women. Yeah, and I mean, there's almost a part of me that's a little bit scared of even talking about it, like, and putting it out there. I mean, granted, I'm not Oprah yet, but um, <laughs> but uh, but it is, it's kind of, it feels like it's such a, a heavy player that... Um, I don't know. There's there's something not right going on there. I and there I need something I, not right. Yeah, and I, I I need to educate myself more about it. I mean, that's what sort of interested me in this um, this women's podcasting group and just learning more because it's sort of like I know like instinctually what I think and believe, but I I feel like I could do better at knowing more of the facts and sort of understanding a little bit more of the process. Um, Yeah. There's, you know, that group, uh, Moms for Gun Safety or Moms, that's a really, Moms Demand Action. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really cool groups that are starting and just kind of not, not just starting, but that are um, helping educate people, which. Yeah, they're really good. That's a big piece of it. a contributor to Moms Demand Action, and they are very good about uh, about educating people and bringing awareness. And there is a day, like I don't know if you know that there's a day, and I can't remember the exact date, but I think it's in June, um, where you're supposed to wear orange, you know, um, just to to create awareness about um, gun violence. And I bought a shirt so that I could contribute to the whole thing. And and it's funny because whenever I wear it, I get lots and lots of questions. Like if Mm. I take a walk in the neighborhood or something, they're like, Oh, what is your, you know, what does your shirt stand for? So it is an opportunity to create awareness. And I think that, um, you know, I I think there's, I I think 
sadly, I think eventually things will change because we're on a path where everyone is going to be affected by gun violence. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think when those, you know, congressmen are affected by gun violence and when the, um, you know, people in the NRA are affected by gun violence and when the gun owner who's a staunch Second Amendment believer is affected by it, you know, they're going to realize that there's got to be room for change somewhere. No, I think Um, you're right. But, you know, it's going to take, unfortunately, I think losing somebody that you really care about you know, or having it affect your community or your school or having, you know, a terrible tragedy for people to begin to realize that this is like a really big crisis. Yes. No, I mean, and it's, it almost seems like after a big school incident um, that there is people talking and chitter chattering about, you know, what do we need to do? And then it sort of dies down until the next yeah. thing happens. And, um, and I still, I don't know if you remember where you were when you heard about Columbine. And I just remember being like, what in the world? And yeah. now it's just like, oh yeah, it's again, like another day. again. I mean, it's just, but that first instance, I just remember thinking, what is this? Like, what is going on? This is crazy. And well, yeah, that was my, that was my Sandy Hook. I mean, I, I was on the way to watch my kids Christmas performance when I heard about Sandy Hook and I cried through the entire thing Mm. because I was just like, I'm looking at all these first and second graders up on stage. And I just heard about all these first graders that had been killed. And I, you know, I was devastated by that just like everyone else was and thinking, well, that's gotta be it. Like that that has to be the thing that causes change. And of course it didn't. And like you look at just last week or two weeks ago or whatever, I mean, we had two, two big mass violence, you know, caused by guns. One where women were executed in a bank. Nobody talked about it. Mm -hmm. It's not even, it hasn't even been in the media. Like there's, there's, you know, just no discussion about it. The other one, police officers were shot. And again, you know, barely any media coverage of it. Um, you know, I mean, we're just like numb to it. It's yeah. not even, not even being put out there anymore. It is. It's. I think you're right, though, that when it affects people personally, then you start to. And it's funny. I'm not saying they're the same at all, but I think the same can be true when you have a gay person in your family. When because people can be. I don't know. I my sister is gay, yeah. and um yeah. and people. Well, I don't believe in that. I'm like, okay. Well, when your child decides that that, that yeah. recognizes that they're gay, then maybe you will understand you know but sometimes until it hits right at home it's it's hard for people to process outside of what what they currently believe and I mean and I know neither of us wants anybody to experience any tragedy but it's it's just kind of like that that empathy piece where you just wish that somebody could just step in your shoes and know what it feels Mm. like you know for just a minute so instead of you know screaming at me about why they're able to have guns you know think about what it was like you know, to, to sit with my mom and dad when they lost their son, you know? Yes. So, yeah. And I didn't realize your mom had been with him that night, I guess, or maybe I did know. And then I forgot that. I mean, that is just, I don't know. I guess it's great too, that they had that special night, but it's just, Oh, that's, that's really hard. Yeah. I think it is great that they were together. Yeah. I mean, it's neat that they loved each other that much. How many people spend that that kind of time together? It's really sweet actually. Yeah. Well, he was a great guy like that. Yeah. Um, what about in terms of the teachers that you talk to? What is the feeling with teachers, like walking into school and sort of knowing that there's this possibility? Yeah, possibility, yeah. and just 
I don't know. Do you feel like there's a continual fear or does it spike yeah. after certain yeah, I mean, incidences? And it's, it's been really, um, you know, it, it's been a lot this year in particular. I think with the Parkland shootings, there was such like, like you were just saying, you know, when, when the, when the Parkland shootings happened last year, there was such, you know, such a movement around that. And so everybody got energized and, and, you know, ready to fight and, and the kids were into it. And I don't know, you know, and I don't know if you saw this, uh, where you are, but Montgomery County kids like did a lot, like they left school and they marched and mm-hmm. protested and they were part of, um, a lot of our kids right here at the school that I work out were actually, um, part of the big march um, down in Washington and they were organizers of it and they put people up in their homes to come and be a part of it and everything so um, you know there was a lot of activism here and that was and that was energizing and great but then it died down and when we came back this year there were all these changes to our security measures around the school and and also to what, like what the kids and what we had to do so we had been trained all, all along to just go into lockdown where you basically close all your doors and windows and lock everything up and you sit very quietly but the new thing is that might not work so if somebody's coming at you you know, and, and you're not going to be able to be locked in or be safe, then you have to fight back. And so we mm. actually had to teach that to our kids. Oh, my gosh. Which is horrifying. Yes. You know? like, uh, like, my students were traumatized, and yeah. we had to take a whole entire class period to go over with them. You know, what will we do? Well, uh, you know, ideally, we'd get out of the building and run away. And, and if that doesn't work, we'd try to lock up and stay silent. But if somebody comes in, like basically I was like who's gonna fight with me and what will we use and how would we do it you know wow and that's just a terrible conversation to have with kids who should be thinking like you know their biggest issue is what prom dress are they gonna wear or whatever you know and then they're thinking about can they escape a, a mass shooter and and we also you know kids are stressed there's a lot of mental health issues um so that creates anxiety and you know teenagers are impulsive and you know, they don't think things through and they don't think consequences through. So it's kind of, you know, frightening to have that discussion with somebody that could potentially be the shooter, you know, yeah. you, you just don't know. Well, it's you know? such a huge burden on teachers. I mean, gosh, it's, it, it, and you know what? I think it says a lot that we, we respect teachers, that we know teachers can handle this conversation and can do it, but like, should they, should they have to be having this conversation with yeah. children? No, I mean, obviously all of us wish we did not have to do this, you know, but, um, but I mean, at at the end, you know, we just kind of close it out with like, we know this is the worst thing and we know this stinks that we have to do this with you, but wouldn't you rather have something in your arsenal, you know, like, wouldn't you rather be a little bit prepared or at least be able to go back to a conversation if we have an issue and the kids, you know, I think the kids were, um, you know, not, not ha- happy with the turnout, but I think they, they felt cared about, Right. you know, like we care enough about you that we're actually thinking about these things. And, and I hope you know that we'll do everything we can to protect you, you know? Right. And that's been our message over and over. Well, and I think you make a good point about, you know, the mental health issues with kids. And, you know, if you're a super healthy, you know, feeling great person, it's a heavy conversation. But if you're a person who's struggling with anxiety or depression or, you know, your parents are getting divorced and then this is the conversation you're having on top of that. And then you're expected to go, you know, take the SAT. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just a teenager. Yes. (laughs) It's heavy. Yeah. It's really heavy. 
Um, well, I am curious if there's anything that you were hoping I would ask you about that I have not asked you about. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think so. I did really want to talk to you about the, the impact, uh, you know, on, on my students also, because that's yes. just another big part of it. So I'm really it glad is. we got into that conversation because I think that's also something that, um, people, you know, that, that can connect people to the reality of what's going on. You know, like it's, it's, it's horrifying to have your kid have to sit through a training session of how to stay alive during a mass shooting attack, you know? And so that may be one of those things that causes people to, to come to the other side a little bit, or at least come to the table willing to listen to, you know, options and alternatives. Right. Like this is already affecting your children. It might not be that they're, it's affecting them by they've been shot, but that they're having a trauma by having to be in this unsafe circumstance. No, that's right. a great point. I think that's that's a really good point. I had never thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I thank you for sharing your story, and I um, I would definitely like to be at the Billy Bash. That sounds like a fun time. It's a great time. I will make sure that you see the invite next year. Well, I always see it on, on social media, and I'm always like, that sounds fun. But now that I've said it, maybe it'll yeah. actually get me to the next That's point. Right. Um, That's right. You saw a family out here, right? You could come out. For oh, them. yes. Everybody's there. Yeah. That's now perfect. I have lots of basement floors to sleep on. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I usually ask people at the end is what they do for their own self-care just to kind of take care of themselves while they're you know like thinking about gun issues talking to teenagers like that is emotionally draining you're helping prepare them but what do you do to sort of like take better care of yourself so that you can be strong for all of these situations Well, I mean, I do lots of different self-care things in terms of like every day, you know, getting exercise and having a little bit of mental downtime and yoga and stuff like that. Um, But I think the thing that helps me the most is is truly like talking about it. I talk about it with my students a lot um, and just, you know, working on building relationships with them and trying to promote um, like a like a, a. better understanding of everyone's perspective in my classroom Mm. and with my own children, you know, like we can be on different sides of the coin, but, you know, um, you know, somewhere we can find some common ground about these particular things, you know? So, I mean, I I know that's not exactly self-care, but, but kind of being out and talking about it and not just ignoring it is helpful to me. No, that's great. I love that. What subject do you teach? History. So I have a great opportunity, you know, and I teach 11th and 12th graders. So I I have kids that are walking out of here and becoming like voting citizens and and people that are going to be active in their communities, you know, so I have, I have an audience to be able to, you know, talk about how do we talk about these hard issues and that's and awesome. You're kind of a badass. I always think high school teachers are like the biggest badasses. If you can go in and talk to a bunch of teenagers, I don't know. You have my respect right away because like, seriously, it's like a celebrity to me. I was talking to this mom at a basketball practice and we were just chatting and we had become friends and I, she, she was like, I'm a teacher. And then eventually she, I learned that she was a high school teacher and I was like, Oh, you are cool. Like that. I mean, it's just, I don't know. You have to have a certain confidence to, to well, stand in front of teenagers. Cool. The kid, the teenagers are cool, and they give you, you know, they are part of my whole my self help and, and my confidence that things are going to change. You know, they, yes. they, the kids are cool. They have a lot, they have a lot of passion, and it hasn't been, 
you know, stomped out of them like it has for the rest of them. Yes. Well, they have the energy. They have. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So. Well, that is beautiful. And I'm happy to hear that's happening in your classroom. Uh, well, I have loved talking to you and I am definitely going to learn more and continue to share this message. So thank you so much for sharing your story. No problem. I'm so glad you guys are doing what you're doing and I hope you keep getting the word out there. And It was great to talk to you and catch up a little bit. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Family Brain. If you're interested, we have a Facebook group called The Family Brain. You can look it up and I will add you to the group. I also have an Instagram page, Family Brain Podcast, where I add things about upcoming episodes, quotes, just information from the podcast. And it's a good way to sort of see what's coming down the pipe for the podcast. And I also would appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find this podcast. And I think a lot of the podcasts that are hosted by celebrities get a lot of attention and they're also very good. But I think that mental health and um, issues around mental health are something that I really wish people had more access to. And so I'm hoping that by sharing this and um, promoting information about mental health, we can just get resources and information to more people. So thanks for listening and that's it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.